Okay. Perek Zayin, page 192. Egeres HaTshuva. Ve'ulam. Derech HaEmez Vayosher. The true straight way, Lepchines Tshuvitato, to this concept that we've been talking about, of the lower form of Tshuva, and we're going to get to both tonight, which is the return of Hei Tato Hanal. Last week we discussed that when a Jew does a chet, he drags the hei tato, which is the shechina, into the muck. He drags it into the sitra achra. So, the way to do tshuva, hembez dvarim derechlal, involve two things in a general way. These are two concepts that we see a lot in Peleyot. Ha'echad, number one, hu lo'ere rachmim halyoinim mim koyer harachmim, the first thing is to arouse the highest heavenly mercy from the source of all mercy and his neshama. The neshama referring to the godly soul, that has taken such a plunge from the highest of heights, which is where it was connected to the source of all life. And where did it plunge to? Libira Mikta. It plunged into the deepest pit. That refers to the chambers, the dwelling place of all iniquity and the dark side. That's step number one, is to plead for Rachmim about the sad, pathetic state of what we've done to our Neshamas. Number two, V'al Mikaira. The second thing is to plead for Rachmim to the source. Because remember, last week he discussed that the Neshama is like a chevel, it's like a rope. And what we do below affects its source above. As a result, okay, we're on 192, the fifth line. So the, the step, the next step, is to arouse heavenly mercy for the source of the neshama, Hushem Baruch Hu, which is the name, this particular name, it's going to be very important, this name of Hashem, of Yud and then He, and the Vav and then He, Kameshik El What does this mean? So he's now telling us. Step number one was to arouse heavenly mercy on our neshamas that we've totally wrecked. Step number two is to arouse Rachmim on the source of the Neshama. Pirish. First word on the line. Pirish. Lo'ir Rachmim al hashpoas Shem What do you mean to be Ma'ir Rachman Hashem? Because what's happening is that Hashem created a system where this name of Yud Kevavke is pouring forth energy into our Neshamas. And when we are dwelling in the the pits, when we're living in the world of the dark side, the Shemavaya is forcing its energy through us all the time. We're the conduit, we're the pipeline, but instead of the pipeline going through Kedusha, we are forcing the Shemavaya to send its sources, all its resources and energy, into the chambers of darkness. Look at what we've done. We've taken this abundant stream of wonderful, life-giving, godly energy and plummeted it through the world in the chambers of the dark side. Not only that, 
but we're forcing HaKadosh Baruch Hu's hand in sustaining that darkness. Through the actions of human beings and their various plans, and their evil thoughts. Like the Pasuk says, king who is tied up in chains, says, What's he tied up in? He's tied up in the flowing of our thoughts. Meaning, when a Jew's thoughts are in the, you know what, in the garbage, and the Rebbein energy is constantly flowing through our thoughts, we are taking the Rebbein with us into those chambers. And this is the, the simplest term, the simplest understanding of Galus HaShchina. We take Hashem's godly energy and we drag it into the abyss. Uzman the best time to do these two forms of tshuva, meaning the first one is to arouse heavenly mercy upon our souls. The second is to appeal for mercy about what we've done to the flow of the Shekhinah. So a very unique time for this, Hubitik and Chatzais, was at midnight, look at the explanation there. This is the explanation of what it says in Tikkun Chatzais, for those of us who do it all the time, is Nafla Teres Reshenu, the crown of our head has fallen, Oilanu Kichatanu, woe upon us. What is he saying? That we've taken Ateres Reshenu, we've taken the crown, the flow of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and dragged it into the world of Chatayim. For this reason, Hashem is called a disgraced king. The great Mekobel explains, There's nothing more disgraceful, we're up at the top of Tzadik Zayin now, than forcing the king to sustain his enemy. Especially, if any thinking person ponders, which is if we have the ability to further ponder the greatness of Hakadosh Baruch Hu, who suffuses everything and who encompasses everything, each of us, according to our unique ability to ponder godliness, so to the degree that we're able to ponder the greatness of Hakadosh Baruch Hu, to that degree. Can we have regret about what we've done to the energy created and sustained by that God? So he's, he, he's a very interesting contrast here. He's saying that, meaning to the degree that we have any concept of the greatness of Hakadosh Baruch Hu, to that degree will we sense the regret and embarrassment over what we've done to the energy that flows from that God. The greater the understanding, the deeper the understanding, the deeper the regret. So this is step number one. Step number one is to arouse heavenly mercy for the Shekhinah and for our Neshamas. Ve'abeiz. The second form is Levateish Ulach The second thing we need to do in Tshuva is to beat up and to degrade the klipa sitrachra, 
to beat up and, and wipe out, to, to pound the dark side, phenomenal, look at this definition of Sitra Achra. The entire definition of the Sitra Achra is Gasus is arrogant, and an inflated ego. So if you beat it, it no longer exists. Phenomenal interpretation, a very easy solution. Beat it down, and it's gone. Like the Pazik says, if you uh, pick yourself up like an eagle, Hashem says, I will lower you from there. How does one beat up the Sidra if somebody can really get it down to the earth point, it is its death and its nullification. I know, how do we do this? This is the entire point of a broken heart. A broken heart is to break the arrogance, to break the false ego. So that the Sitra Achra is, and we, about our wrongdoing, we are disgusted with ourselves, we're repulsed by our wrongdoing. Listen to this. The Zoyah says, the Pazik says, a sacrifice to Elikim is Ruach Nishbara, is a broken spirit. A broken heart, a lowered heart, God will not disgrace. Now, look what he says here. Notice the name of God used in this Pasuk. Right? Elokim. Every time the Torah mentions the concept of carbon, the only name used in conjunction with carbonos is the shame of ayah. Comes this Pasuk and talks about Elokim when it's talking about Zivche Elokim. What's going on? Every other sacrifice, if it comes from animals, it's for Shema Vayu Himidas Arachamim. It's the name of compassion of mercy. When we're talking about to the name of Elokim, which is the attribute of justice, there is no such thing as an animal being sought. The only time you use, it, you, you use harshness is to break one's arrogance. To get rid of the Ruach the spirit of impurity, and the dark side is That's what the concept is. It's interesting because we have one fellow by the Shia who's always bothered by this concept of why, why, why the negativity, Right? So he's answering it here. It's only the negativity vis-a-vis the Averis, because that takes all the air out of the Sitra Achra. But when it comes to um, the Midas HaRachimim, no, there you bring an animal, there it's referring to the name of mercy. But when we're talking about clapping and, and, and putting one down, it's talking about putting down the negativity. <laughs> it's putting down the negativity itself. How do we do that? With a broken heart. <clears throat> so how do you break? How do you break your heart? Well, the popular culture would have a way, would have an answer for that, but that's not what we're looking for. He named Maat Mizair a very little bit. Notice a double language: a very little bit of bro- brokenheartedness. Who are you? They see go from Vitanius is through torture, like not having an iPhone, or fasting. In our generations, small forms of torture. 
right? We don't have the koyach to fast. Like David HaMelech did. David HaMelech says his heart was empty inside of him. In the Gemara, they tell us that David HaMelech killed his Yetzirah with, the time, with fasting. We can't do that. So what do we do? Listen carefully. The main function of humbling one's heart is lias nishpe venidke is to be tzibrochet to be broken and and lowly ve'avor as ruach hatumah v'sitrachra and to get rid of this spirit of impurity and darks the darkness huliyos mimore tuchushbena is to be an accountant to be a master of accounting it's the language of the zayir ba'imikadas in real depth. Meaning, that is to spend and go deep into one's mind for a set amount of time. Shachas here doesn't mean an hour, it means a set amount of time, every day or night. Before one's going to say Tikin Chatzois, and even if you're not going to say Tikin Chatzois, to contemplate to realize what we've affected, what we've ruined with our sins. The first thing is that we need to contemplate what we've done to this magnificent energy that comes forth from HaKadosh Baruch that we've dragged it into the, the dark side. And what's more, that we've uprooted, we've ripped away our godly soul from the source of life. And we've dragged it and lowered it into the place of impurity and death itself. We've dragged it into the chambers of the other side. The person himself, the neshama, ends up becoming a chariot to the forces of darkness. Instead of his neshama being a conduit to godliness, his whole being ends up being a conduit to the other side, to his, to his body, as he said in the last paragraph, that in these days, were sustained primarily by the Sitra Akra. And now he says a magnificent Taj. Now with this introduction, we understand what our sages say, that the wicked, even while they're alive, are dead. Kalaymar, what they're telling us is, that their entire life force comes through a place of death and negativity. David HaMelech says, the dead will not praise HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So That's a very insensitive thing to say, especially for anybody who, has anybody who knows anybody who's dead. It's just not a nice thing to say about dead people. Says, we're not making, we're not mocking the dead. That wouldn't be nice. David Melech was a nice person. This refers to wicked people. When David Melech says, he's talking about people who are well alive and well physically. What does it mean when David Melech says that they're not going to be able to praise Hakadosh Baruch Hu? This is an astounding touch. He says that the result of their actions is that they're bombarded with so many extraneous thoughts that even while they're saying hello, 
They can't think about what they're saying. Then what happens is the Rebbein Shalom distances them so that they don't even desire to do tshuva because they're so sustained by the, the forces of darkness that their ritzainas are uprooted. So now, so the way one second, he goes back and says that's the meaning of Rishayim B'chayim Kriyamesim. That the wicked, even while they're alive, they're called dead, meaning they're drawing their entire sustenance and kaiches from the kaiches atoma. That's the that's the pshat. Right after the parentheses on page one ninety four, kares. Even a person who's never violated a kares now. Last chapter, the chapter before he talked about that when a person is over on an isukaris, that he um, cuts himself off. So, what about the rest of us who hopefully have not done a chayvikrisis? What about people who have never even violated a uh, something where, there's, where there's, they'd be subject to death by heaven? Like one who spills seed for naught, ukai gavna. People who do some easy, you know, convenient sins. So do they have to worry too about being called Mason? Are they dead? Even if we've just done Leichta Averis, as we say in Yiddish. Leichta Averis, Kleine Leichta Averis. But due to the fact that every Avera corrupts the Neshama, and the godly soul. Remember, he gave the marshal two weeks ago of a rope that's made up of many small ropes. Is If a person does many small avedes, they can end up being in the same bad place as a person who's done one serious violation that involves kares or that death penalty. Even if a person violates one second, even if a person violates an Avera through doing this very, he doesn't do many chatoim, but he does one chet many times again and again. The Novi compares a person who does an Avera to a person who's darkening the light of the sun. The image we need to have is that the Rebbein Shalom is trying to emanate iris, light, energy to our Nishamas. And we're putting Kavdalas Anan of Chashuch. It's like the barrier of a dark finstere voting, a cloud that's creating a barrier between the sun and us. What is the second half of the Pasuk? It's like the our sins are like a cloud. Those are the this the small Show them dosh by cave of those kinds of things that we easily trample upon. Those are like wispy, small 
clouds. But you get enough wispy small clouds, not the dark black ones. You still can't see the sun. Now, if a person were to go over to a window, a window, there's a, the sun is shining through the window, and he puts up a very small shade, right? Nothing, just the almost, almost a translucent shade, right? But he does literally ma'it. He puts up twenty, thirty, forty of them. All of a sudden, they're going to end up being as thick and as obstructing as one very thick one. We need to understand the same is true in the way of a parable. The same is true with all the Averis that a person tramples upon. Now, he says, not only are we talking about the stam Averis that a person tramples upon, but how much more so in those Averis where Chazal use extravagant um, exaggerations. Shen kemamish Chazal say about certain Averis that they're just like idolatry. They're like immorality. They're like murder. For instance, a person who is requested to give tzedakah. A person who doesn't give tzedakah, Chazal say he's like an idolater. Or, somebody who speaks evil of another Jew. Chazal compared to all three. Or, anybody who gets angry at me, it's like they are idolaters. Similarly, Chazal compare a person who's arrogant to an idolater. We see many Meshalim like that. But the worst of them is the worst violation is the violation of not learning when we have the opportunity to learn was willing to overlook all them. But but he refused to overlook the sin of the study of Torah. Now he adds another thing. For this reason, Chazal established in nighttime Krishna before you go to bed, the Kabbalah love Dalad Mises Bezin, that a person should accept upon themselves in the language of the Krishna Shalamita, it says that a person should accept upon themselves as if they were receiving all four forms of death. Now, Milvad Shalpiyasoid, he says that's simply to atone for all of these Averis that we just mentioned. If a person was arrogant, if a person spoke Lashonara, if a person did any of these, so they'd be culpable for the death penalty. So we say that because that's also Ki'ilu, right? You don't have to carry them out. Because just like doing the Averis Ki'ilu, so saying that prayer before Krishna is also Ki'ilu. It's also like if. But in addition, says the Baltani, Mavad Shalpiyasoid, according to Kabbalah, somebody who corrupts the letter Yud of Hashem's name, it's as if he's culpable Skilo. That's stoning, death by stoning. For the death by pouring hot lead. 
Ubaizvav, somebody who corrupts the letter Vav of Hashem's name, Kilun Ischayv Herig, it's that's the sword. Ubaiz, Heyachrein, Kilun Ischayv Chenik, that's choking. Vabavat, Krishma, and to make this practical, he says, somebody who misses Krishma is Pagan Baiz Yod, he corrupts the letter Yod. Utfilin, Baiz, hey, somebody who misses out on Tfilin has corrupted the letter Hey, Vitzitzis, Baiz Vav, Tzitzis, the letter Vav, Tfilin, Baiz, hey, Vichulu. From here we can extrapolate to all other Averis and imagine that Bithal Torah is worse than all of them. So, we have these two steps in Tshuva that he's talking about here, Tshuva Tata. Number one is to plead for mercy both for our soul and for the energy of the Shekhinah that we've corrupted. Step number two is to um, put down the Sitra Achra. Now notice that one is an uplifting and the other is a lowering. Right? Each of us, as if, going back to the first section of Tanya, each of us is made up of these dual components. Each of us has a Nefesh the and Nefesh Bahami. What he's really saying here is we got to plead for mercy to get our Nefesh the key back where it needs to be and we got to beat down the animal soul to put in in its place, right? So that, there's a double thing here. Now, look what he does in chapter 8. If we really think about what we just talked about, the corruption that we bring through our Averis, this will give us the ability when we realize the harm that we've done, we have the ability to plead with tremendous depth Hashem, please, with your abundant mercy, wipe away my Averis. Because when we realize the damage we've done, that gives us the ability to really have a sense of how pathetic and how pitiful what we've done to our godly soul is, and the Neshama above. Here we go. What are we trying to appeal to? What we need to do is to plead to the highest mercy. The 13 attributes of mercy. He said earlier, these Yud Gimel appeal to the highest place, meaning that which is called the highest desire. That's the, the Shema Vaya starts with a Yud, right? It's a Yud and then a He and then a Vav and then a He. The tip of the Yud. If we want to go back and rectify the harm we've done in the order of the name of, of Yud Kevavke, you got to go back to something before that in order to rectify it. Therefore, we're going back to the Kutz Shal Yid, which is above that. That's the Ratzon alien before any form of creation. Remember that the definition of Hashem's name, of Yud and then Hey and then Vav and then Hey, is Hoy Hoy Vaviyah He brings everything into existence. We've corrupted that existence, so we need to go back to something which is prior to that. That's the 13 attributes of mercy. The 13 attributes of mercy is that which we appeal to, which is even earlier or higher than the Shema Vaya. If we can reach and appeal to that highest place, we wipe away, it wipes out all corruption. 
like the Pesach says, Noisi Avinu Pesha Vinake. The Kaddish Baruch carries the chait and then wipes it out. Veshuv, and the result of that is when we appeal to this highest place, if we're able to be ma'ir of that rachim, if we could come up and feel mercy, feel and 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 plead for mercy, the result of that is is that the outer forces can no longer usurp and leech upon that which we fed. The vasitrachra mashbas we remove all of their being able to to the corruption that we fed them. They can no longer leech off of that. And by doing so, we return this letter hey to its correct place. To once again be returned to the first three letters of Hashem's name to return Hashem's name to its correct and full. Um, four-letter word. And what happens above if we return the, the name of Avaya to its place, the same thing will take place in our Nefesh Alikis, in our godly soul here. Then we removed all the barriers. That cleanses those who return to him. To wash and to cleanse to our souls from their filthy garments. Which are the outside forces. The Gemara says that a person's avarice hover around him, they cover him, and they take him the Yemamisa to the day of death. So this cleanses a person from that. Since this spirit is gone and the person is cleansed, then the person is literally able to once again be reconnected with HaKadosh Baruch Hu to go to its earliest, highest source to cleave to HaKadosh Baruch Hu with an awesome, tremendous unity. To what degree, how unified could a person be? A person could be unified in the ultimate, the, the um, pinnacle of unity. The person can return to a place where they can be unified as it were, before the blow of his neshama ever took place. To be embodied and cased in the human body. In parentheses, if you want to use, we just turn the page to 196. In the way of a parable, just like imagine our own breath. So before we blow it, it's unified totally with us in our soul. This is the definition of true tshuva, meaning that the person is completely and totally restored to the Shema Baya. So now he uses some fancy words which are very confusing. This tshuva that we just described is the higher form of tshuva that succeeds the lower form of tshuva, but this is not referring to the highest form of tshuva, tshuva ilah. The tshuva ilah, do you know what the real highest tshuva is? The highest tshuva is the study of Torah. 
bedechilu verechimu with fear and with love. The kuchabrichu vechulu diu ben yud kei bina vechulu. There, the Zayar speaks of the awesome unity that takes place when a person learns Torah b'dechilu v'rechimu that he's at a complete and total nullification. Meaning, when a person fulfills a mitzvah, there's an I that's fulfilling the mitzvah. But when a person learns Torah, then a person is completely and totally nullified to the godly ideas that are going through his mind and brain at that moment. And as a result, that unity is deeper than any unity that would take place in what's called Shuvatato, which would involve other mitzvahs. And there he's going to go into this next week, but ultimately we have to understand here that if we can arouse heavenly mercy on our neshamas and over the destruction and that we've wreaked havoc in the world, that we return that energy back to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we return the Shechina, which is the Heitato, and reattach it, recombine it back to the earlier letters. Um, this helps us get a little glimpse into Ki'imcha Haslicha, the Mantivore, because he said here that if a person is detached, they can no longer feel. The other Shemayim says, Ki'imcha Haslicha, because you, Hashem, offer us forgiveness, the Mantivari could restore our emotions back so that we can once again feel. So if you remove, if we remove all those barriers that we've put up, even with the Smolcha time, we can ultimately come to a place of the Mantivari that we can have a sense of some spiritual reality, some, some feeling.